I want to just say before, also before we get started, to those that are watching online, those that uh, can't be here uh, for health reasons or other reasons, God, I just want to say we miss y'all and we love you and we can't wait for you to come back and be able to share a testimony like that one, um, like Olivia and Robbie have. And uh, we just, I just wanted to say that for so many of y'all that are watching at home. We are thinking about you, we're praying for you, and we can't wait to see you again. Also, we're going to be taking communion at the end of uh, the sermon this morning, so those watching online, those at home, if you don't have some communion elements in front of you, go ahead and get those now and, uh, and, and have communion with us from your home. If you didn't get a chance last Sunday to... Uh, be here at church and hear Robert Hartzell, one of our elders' sermons, I highly encourage you, highly encourage you to go on our website and watch his sermon. It is so good. And I want to I start today's sermon the exact same way that he started last week by saying, God loves you so much. He loves you so much. To the point where what we're going to discuss this morning is really what it's all about. It's the name of God that we're going to be talking about this morning is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And I love the phrasing of that. The Lord will provide. As in, he's already made the decision. There is no debate. There is no question. It's not determined about, uh, on our abilities, on our behavior, on our qualifications. God and who he is, is one of his names, has already decided. He has made the decision that I, God, will provide for you. He will provide for you. And so when I was preparing this, the question that came to my mind based off this name of God is, okay, God, you will provide, but what will you provide? And I think for a lot of us, when we hear this, the Lord will provide, the first reaction that we get is that he will provide financially, right? God's going to provide money for us when we need it, right? He's going to give us the stuff that we need when we need it. And so rather than saying, God, what are you going to provide? A lot of us are asking, God, when are you going to provide, right? We're waiting on that. But if we're only thinking in terms of financially, God will provide for us, we are missing the point by a mile, right? That's like eating a piece of lettuce out of the salad and thinking you ate the whole bowl. Because it's so far beyond money that God will provide to the point where we're not even going to talk about that today. All right, so you can just go ahead and relax. We're not going to be talking about money today and how God provides for us. But I do want to answer that question. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Okay, God, what will you provide? And here's the answer, and it's the most amazing answer that I could possibly give. The Lord will provide everything. Everything. Everything that we could possibly need. Jesus is the source for Every hurt that we have, the Lord provides healing for. If you're walking with something where you feel guilt and you feel ashamed, the Lord is the source of our forgiveness and mercy. I want to read this scripture before we get too ahead of ourselves in Philippians 4.19. And it says this, And this same God who takes care of me will supply, here's that word, all your needs. From his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. God provides for all of our needs. Everything that we could ever need from God, he gives to us. 
So are you struggling beating yourself up, dealing with guilt and shame over something that you just can't get over, some sin that you keep committing and you beat yourself up over? Guess what? What Paul writes here in Philippians is that with God's riches, he supplies our need. And you know what? God is rich in forgiveness and mercy for you. So every single time that you mess up and you go to him and you say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. You know what? He doesn't say, that's it, I'm done. He says, it's okay, I'm rich in mercy and I'm rich with forgiveness and I'm gonna pour it onto you. I'm gonna give you what you need in this moment. You might be struggling with an addiction and you would say, I can't break it. God says, it's okay, I'm rich with patience. I'm rich with, with breaking the power of that. You might be dealing with fear over your finances, over a, lo a loved one, over circumstances in your life, and you're saying, God, I'm fearful of this. He's saying, it's okay, I'm rich in courage. I'm rich in peace, and I'm gonna pour it onto you because it's out of my glorious riches that I supply all of your needs, not your glorious riches. So when your tank is empty and you're at the end of your rope, God's saying, I'm rich in that. I got more than I can count in that. If you're sick, if you're dealing with a disease, God's rich in healing power. He is rich in healing power. And so we, we, we think about in terms of finances, let me tell you something, if you're dealing with anxiety and you're dealing with fear and worry and someone comes up and gives you a $100 bill, it's not really gonna do much for you. But when God pours out his mercy and his love, his unconditional love on you, that's how he supplies all of our needs. It is not just about our bank account. It is about our soul. It is about our life and our well-being that God is after. And he is the source of all of it. He will provide. And as we read in just a little bit, I'm gonna go ahead and get ahead of myself. He did that by Jesus on the cross. So it is done. It is not a question anymore. He will provide because he did provide. He provided his son for us. So that in those moments, in our darkest hours, with our, with our greatest fear, when the doctor gives us the report, when we don't know where our children are, when we don't know how we're gonna pay the next bill, we can say, the Lord will provide because he has. He is Jehovah Jireh. And I'm gonna stand on that because he has the glorious riches of heaven at his disposal and it does not run dry. It does not run dry. So I'm gonna say it right now. What are you walking through? What are you walking through? And ask yourself if God can measure up to that. I'm pretty sure the answer is yes. The answer is yes, because he is rich and he will supply all your needs. This is about our heart. This is about our soul. This is about our livelihood. And yes, this is about our loved ones. This is about our children and our spouses and our parents. God will supply all of our needs according to his glorious riches. Listen, we got a lot of rich people in this world. Their riches ain't glorious. All right, God's riches are glorious. And that's how he supplies. Second Peter uh, chapter one, verse three says this, by his divine power, by his divine power, God has given us, here it is again, everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises, check this out, that enable you to share 
his divine nature. Y'all realize that? God has given us promises that allow us to share in his divine nature. That's his goal, is for us to share in it, not to be separate from it, but to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So we see again here, everything we need, God has given us to live a godly life. How do we get it? Well, by doing this, that, and the other, right? Coming to church on Sundays, tithing, be a good this, be a good that, no. How do we do it? What does the Bible say? What does it say here in in 2 Peter? It says, we have received all of this by coming to know him. It is not about doing, it is about knowing. And we can't know the precious and glorious promises that God has given to us if we don't ever get to know him. If we're just busy doing, we're never gonna know the promises that allow us to share in his divine nature. Instead, we're just spinning our wheels, doing all sorts of things, and we are not getting to know him. We need to get to know him, church. We need to get to know him. I want to tell the story that I think encapsulates this really well. It's in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. It says, Now it happened as they went they had, that he entered a certain village, he meaning Jesus, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Martha's tattling on her sister. As an adult, it just doesn't go away, siblings. Verse 41, and Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. I'm going to say this very clearly, y'all. It's not enough to just invite Jesus into your home. You've got to give him your attention too. It's not enough to put on the welcome mat, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then you walk in and you never give Jesus a lick of attention in your home. Martha loved Jesus. She knew Jesus. But when Jesus was in her home, she didn't pay him any attention. She was too busy working and doing rather than sitting at his feet and knowing him. And it says here in, this, in these verses, it says that Mary also sat at his feet and sat under his word. There's two things I believed in that, mean, in, in that little phrase there, that word also. The first part is I think that there was other people in the house that were sitting at Jesus' feet, listening and getting to know him. But I what it also says there, it says that Mary also sat at his feet, meaning that when, before Jesus got there, she was working. She was preparing the house just like Martha. And it says, Martha says it herself, says she left me, right? So she was working in the house. She was preparing and whatever you would do. I mean, imagine Jesus coming in. You want it to look kind of nice. You're going to fluff the pillows a little bit, right? Jesus coming into your home. But as soon as Jesus got in the house, Mary stopped the working and sat at his feet. Martha, it says, was distracted. And I think it's interesting here, when, when Martha comes up and tattles on Mary, Jesus' response is, Martha, Martha. He says, you are troubled by many things. 
And, and this, is, this is the James interpretation of this. This is what I believe. Because Jesus doesn't talk on the surface ever. If you, if you study his words, he's never surfacey. He's always going deeper to the real issue at hand. And for Martha, the issue is not a clean house. What I believe is going on with Martha here and that Jesus is addressing, saying, look, you are anxious, you are worrying, you are stressing out about things in your life, and it is manifesting itself with busyness. And so because of that, you are missing me in your house. And that can happen to us. We get so distracted, we're, we're under such stress, such anxiety, such worry, that we, that we busy ourselves with things because we feel like we just gotta do something. Because if, if, if I don't do something, then, then the problems are never gonna re be resolved. And so we work and we work and we do and we do and we do and we do and we work. And then Jesus is in the room and we don't even listen to him. The very thing that we need to sit at Jesus' feet, we don't do because we have all these troubles that are worrying us. And we allow it to distract us and we manifest it by just being busy because we don't know how else to deal with it. But when we call on Jesus and we have him in the room, he says, stop all that. There's something bigger at hand here. I'm here now. The work can wait. The work can wait. Come sit at my feet. And I'm going to be real honest with you all. I believe during this pandemic, during 2020, God has poured his grace out on the church through this whole ordeal and is teaching the church, Beaches Chapel included, to remember what it means to sit at his feet. Because we are in his home. All right, Beaches Chapel, we call this, this is, this is a home for all to begin and grow in a relationship with Jesus. Well, if that's true, if this is a home, then what we are called to do in, in God's house is not to be busy about stuff, but to sit at his feet. And God is, is calling the church, saying it's not about the lights, it's not about the mix, it's not about programs and this and that, it's about sitting at his feet and sitting under the word of God and letting him tell us over and over again that my glorious riches will supply all your needs. So let's stop being distracted by the work of a church service and just soak up his presence. We were in a, uh, the pastors, we all went to a worship service last week. It was, it was in preparation for the Jackson United event that happened Friday night. They invited a bunch of pastors from around the city to come. I just worship together and pray over this past Friday night, and it was awesome. I think for all of us pastors, we just needed it. You know, we didn't we didn't have to do anything. Like we we just went and showed up and worshipped. And one of the worship leaders, uh, as as we began to sing a song, said, "You know, something that's been on my heart is this question of what if the church just made it all about Jesus again? What if we just made it all about Jesus? And instead of working and toiling and doing all these different things, we just sat at His feet." We just sat at his feet. And when I say the church, I'm not just talking about Sunday mornings, y'all, because we are the church. We don't come to church. We are the church. So what happens, what happens if we make our walk with the Lord first about sitting at his feet and just letting his love pour out over us, letting his word soak over us instead of trying to work to get to know him, we just get to know him by listening to him. I guarantee you those distractions, those worries, those concerns that Martha had, if she had just sat at his feet, you know what would have happened? They would have all gone away. Because when we sit at the feet of Jesus and we let his riches pour out over us, he takes care of it. He takes care of it. 
And I believe that is what God is calling us to in this season. He's calling the church on Sundays and at home to sit at his feet. It's not about all that other stuff. It's about Jesus. And then he says this in verse 42. After he addresses Martha and he says, you're troubled about many things, he says this, but one thing is needed. One thing is needed. And that one thing that Mary chose will not be taken away from her. I'm going to read these verses really quickly, and they're not going to be up on the screen. I just want to emphasize this point of one thing. Psalms 27, verse 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the, check this out, house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. In other words, David's saying not to work, but to just behold the beauty of him when I'm in his house. That's the one thing. Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Luke 18.22, So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. One thing. That's what it's about. It's not about all these other things. God has called, he's made it real simple. He's made it very simple for us. He's called us to one thing, and that's to know him. How incredible of a God do we serve that he's, he's made it so easy that it's come down to one thing, and that's to sit at his feet. And I'm going to be real honest with you all. This morning I was, I was driving in, going to get my coffee before getting here, and I was kind of just going over the word in my head a little bit. And I had to ask myself, Lord, I don't think I've sat at your feet in a while. I mean, I've been busy and I've, I've been reading the word and trying, you know, and we, we went out of town last week and we got back in and, you know, you go out of town, you jump in back to work and it's kind of a tornado no matter what, you know, where you work. You got to catch up a little bit. Oh my God, I haven't sat at your feet. I had to repent, right? <laughs> you know, get my heart right. If I'm going to preach on this, I probably should be trying to do it. And what's awesome is in that moment, you know, I was in the car and I just, I just turned on some worship music and I just said, God, I'm, I'm not going to make today or this moment about anything else. I just want to be with you. And you know what's awesome? When we do that, and I'm not special, when we do that, he comes in like that. He doesn't wait and say, okay, I'll make you earn it. You know, it's been a while, make you pay a little bit. No, when we sit at his feet, those riches, his spirit, his love pours over us immediately because he loves us so much. And so it's not about trying to get all these qualifications, doing all this stuff. And maybe, I think that's a lot of us in here. We've been busy about the work and Jesus has been in the house and we're not sitting at his feet. But that's where he provides for us everything that we need. There is no exception. There is, and you are not an exception. I'm going to read these things that I read about, the, about sitting at Jesus' feet. It says, people say we need revival. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. People say we need unity. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. People say we need to win arguments. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. People say we need to reach the world. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. Because when we 
individually and as a church sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word, the fruit of that is what we just read. The unity, reaching the world, revival, all those things are the fruit of sitting at the feet of Jesus. But if we feel like we need revival, let's go create it out of our own hands and our own abilities and our own ideas without sitting at the feet of Jesus. We say, let's go reach the world. Let's go on this trip and let's talk. And we never sit at the feet of Jesus. If we try and win an argument without first sitting at the feet of Jesus, it's never gonna happen. And we're gonna get so frustrated and so tired and so exhausted that we'll quit and we'll blame Jesus. And meanwhile, he's saying, you never sat at my feet. You never had my riches pour over you to prepare for what is to come. And there is something coming, church. There is something coming. But it begins with a sitting at his feet, hearing his word, letting his love and his riches pour over us. Something that Robert said last Sunday in his sermon, he said, There's, it is not our job to solve insurmountable problems. It's not up to us. It's not. When we try to solve insurmountable problems, we just make that insurmountable problem even more insurmountable. We make a mess of it. But when we sit at Jesus' feet, we say, here it is, God. Here's what I'm struggling with. Here's my hurt. Here's my fear. Here's my anxiety. Here's my anger. He says, okay, I'm going to take that. And I'm going to supply what you need right now. Through my glorious riches, I am Jehovah Jireh. I will provide for you. All you have to do is sit at my feet. That's it. I wanted to keep it short this morning because I really want to allow for a time to respond to this. So we're going to have the band come back up. But I want to read this quick little verse. Uh, it's kind of the end of the story where Jesus is going. To, it's, uh, we talked about it when we talked about Jehovah Shalom. Jesus being the Prince of Peace, where he goes across the, the sea and there's a man that's demon-possessed. It has, he has a legion of demons, which is innumerable amount, thousands of demons in him. And Jesus casts out the demons, right? And this is what it says, starting in verse 35 of Luke chapter 8. It says, Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed. And guess where he's at? Sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. So this guy has, is, is demon-possessed to the point where they can't even chain him up. He is that tortured. And then Jesus casts out the demons. And the first thing that this guy does, he sits at Jesus' feet. He doesn't run home and tell anybody. He doesn't go look for ways to pay Jesus back. He just gets in his right mind in his first instinct is to just sit right down and allow God's love and his word to pour over him. And I believe that's how, that's where we find healing, y'all. And I know there's a lot of us that need healing in this place. One of my favorite verses that I'm gonna say over and over for as long as God has me preach here on Sundays is when Jesus says, come to me, come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are heavy burdened, come to me. He's saying, come sit at my feet you will find rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's saying, come. And the saddest part about all that is we don't. We don't come. We make it about being busy, about doing work. We be, we're more like Martha 
in that moment where Jesus is in the house. Y'all, he's here. And he has to be because this is his home. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's no one's here. This is God's house. This is God's house. So let's sit at his feet. Let's sit at his feet this morning. And let's, let's lay aside our distractions. Let's lay aside everything else and just sit and let his riches pour over us this morning. I believe that God wants to say things personal to every single person in here. He wants to pour out his riches, pour out his truth over this church. Let's not make our walk about this, that, and the other. Let's not put anything before sitting at his feet because that's where it begins. And I believe with all my heart that there is going to be freedom this morning when we do that. Chains are going to be broken. Worry and stress and doubt are going to leave in Jesus' name. And the things that you need for your heart, God is going to give you this morning. Not because I said it, but because that's his name. Jehovah Jireh, I will provide. And he wants to provide those things for you. As we prepare for communion this morning, I want to read this in John chapter 19, verse 28. It says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. So in that moment, Jesus gave up everything so that he could give us everything. When he said it is finished, it wasn't just about his death being finished. It was about our struggle to have to do everything and have to fulfill all this and, and, and being worried about distraction. He said, no, 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 that is finished. Listen, y'all, it's finished. It's over. You don't have to work. You don't have to labor and spend. You don't have to toil. You, he's called you to sit at his feet when he says it is finished. Saying it's finished. Sit at my feet. I've given you everything. Two verses to close with. Psalms 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. In Exodus 14, 13, Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. All we're called to do is be still and know that He is God, to sit at His feet, to understand that He will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches, forgiveness, love, patience, grace, mercy, protection, courage, all of it, all of it, God has an abundance of riches for. And he wants church, he wants to pour those things out on you, but we can't be so busy that we don't allow him to. He does it by sitting at his feet. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you gave up everything 
to give us everything. You submitted to death. And when you said it is finished, you meant it is finished. So that we could come to you. So that we could sit at your feet. Sit under your word. And hear how much you love us. And understand those great and precious promises that you have for us, Lord. That allow us to share in your divine nature. That allow us to be freed from worry, from anxiety, and from depression, and from guilt, and from shame. The things that keep us up at night, God. Saying, that's not me. Share in my divine nature, which casts those things out. God, help us as a church to just put you first in every situation, Lord. That our, that our hearts cry would be, Holy Spirit, pour out on me. As I sit at your feet, God, teach us to be still. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made to allow that to be possible. For your body that was broken, beaten, bruised, and mocked, hung on a cross, the most painful, excruciating, humbling death we could ever imagine. As you, as you hung on the cross, gasping for air, and every time you took a breath, more pain entered your body until you said it was finished. God, we thank you for your body that was broken. And we take the bread this morning, remembering that sacrifice and saying, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your blood that was poured out on us. That blood that you wash over us every single day. That mercy, Father. That forgiveness, Lord, that makes us clean every day, God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, that you stayed. You stayed on the cross so that we could come to you and we could lay it all before you and say, God, here's, here's my stuff. Here's my mess-ups. Here's my sins. Forgive me. And because of your blood, you say you're forgiven and you make us new. In that moment, God, it's an instantaneous thing. We thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, God, that when we turn our, our attention back to you, you come in an instant. So thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for your blood that was shed on our behalf. You saw every one of us. You saw us all. You saw our desperation and you bled for us. Let's take the cup. Thank you, Jesus. What I want to do as we go back into worship this morning is to have a time for us to respond, to sit at Jesus' feet. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back into worship. We're going to open up the altar. If that's where you want to sit at Jesus' feet, I invite you to come up. If you want to sit down in your seat where you're at that's fine if you want to stand that's fine too if you want to get in the aisle get a little space we have space in here but I just want to take a few moments in quiet worship to allow God to speak to you to allow us to just sit and let everything else go the distractions the things that we've been carrying around that's not the time for this it's just to sit at Jesus' feet so why don't we stand as we enter unless of course you want to sit we're going we're gonna to worship this morning.